0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford,
1: and Tyler Schaefer.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show. Justin here along with your cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast for all podcast updates and more. We have a special guest tonight, Danny Gillette of Fansided's Husker Corner and also the great Cornholio. What's up, Danny? How are we doing, guys? Pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Hey, so you're not a Husker fan, so... Uh, This is going to be interesting to hear some outside perspective.
3: What brought you into the Husker world? Uh, Fan-sided was looking for somebody to fill the site uh, position. It was a money position. I like money. I need to make more of it. So I said, all right, let's do it. (laughs) And uh, luckily, I got the Big Ten Network on my TV, so I'm able to watch all the football and basketball games, and uh, I'm able to uh, experience all the emotions of a Saturday of, of uh, Husker football, and let me just say. It's probably taken a couple years off my life, but that's okay. <laughs> so what are your thoughts to Husker fans at this point? Um, you know, I think Husker fans really are into their sports. They love football. They know their history. They know what's wrong with the team, and they really are passionate about it. I would rather, like I've I've, I've always said, I would rather – get an email from an angry fan who hates my work that's read it, then get no feedback at all. I've gotten plenty of those and that's <laughs> all right. You know, at least you guys are reading it. At least the fans are reading it. And I appreciate everybody reading them. You know, I, I, uh, I think it's really cool. Cause coming from the Northeast college sports isn't really that big. So I, uh, it's, it's, it's really something exciting for me to be a part of and hopefully with the football program winning sooner rather than later, let's cross our fingers. Hopefully we can uh, hopefully I can see some you know big things in the future.
2: yeah, let's hope. So we got a whole bunch of questions and topics here, so let's jump into it. Today is signing day. Uh, Nebraska finished the year by 247 standards it's uh, number 20 in the nation, number five in the big 10. Uh, but I gotta ask you, Danny, uh, has early signing day really killed your enjoyment of signing day in February? What are your thoughts
3: there? Yes and no. Um, I wish I had more to write on today, especially, you know, as the winter sports with the men's basketball team suffering from the COVID outbreak and stuff. There's not a ton to write there yet. Um, but I do like the ability to relax on National Signing Day because of early signing day. Uh, we The Huskers were able to get most of the recruiting work done in December. And so it's kind of it's kind of nice to just relax, but for writing purposes, I wish there was a little bit more to write about. You know, it's always really gratifying when I finally see them sign their names to the pieces of paper or whatever, especially with the transfer portal nowadays. You never know. So uh, it's I'm I'm really excited for this upcoming class for sure. Yeah, uh, you know we've talked about this on the
2: program in the past. You know how signing day, how early signing days really killed it for us. I mean, now it used to be like February. You know, the first Wednesday of every February. It was kind of like a big day. It was the big biggest oh, yeah. day of the off season to us. But now it's it's really been killed. I mean, it's it's so quiet now. Everybody's signing in uh, in December, and it's just it's it's not the same. I mean, but two signing days. It's I, I guess well. I don't even know if it's better than one at this point, but uh, all, right, all right. So let's move on. Uh, this is gonna be. Oh, go ahead,
1: Derek. I, I'm sorry. I just, just want to add this. Like the the one good side to it, though, is like you have this year where you have what was it, 14 early enrollees. Yeah. yeah. And, and and a lot of that's because of the early signing period. So that is
3: true.
1: I it, it's not all bad. It's just.
0: For a boring. podcast, it, make, it makes it tougher. Yeah,
3: it's boring. But, but but what the thing was
0: though is old signing day was like it's almost like a day you want to call off of work. Yeah, like it yeah. it was it was an event like you're you're gonna have all these kids, they're gonna have their hats on, and it you you can say what you will about the early one, but the dramatics of it are gone. There are no big reveals, yeah. there's no shocks, even with the early signing period. I thought that would have at least stayed. And maybe you had like too many ones, but the first one is just it's nothing. Um, so well, it, I miss it
1: it. it. it it feels like most of the big recruits all sign on early signing period. Like it, even if you do pick up a recruit on on the February signing signing day, it's like ah eh, okay. Because I, mean, I mean, most I, the, most of the big recruits have already signed.
2: Did. Do you guys know if, like, ESPNU, if they were showing any signing day coverage this morning? I mean, I, maybe they did. I, I was home.
3: I didn't even – it didn't even occur to me to even turn it on today. Me neither. I mostly follow on Twitter, to be honest with you. So I don't even watch the TV anymore because they just blab. But uh, on Twitter, you know. I, <laughs> hey, that's I, what I, we do.
1: Especially ESPN.
3: <laughs> I mean, you guys at least have some insight. Most of those big network guys just love hearing themselves talk. But anyway um, – now it's now all the excitement is completely gone, and it's just really weird because I remember, like you guys said, I would you know wake up early, you know, turn on ESPN, see all the ceremonies and the signings at the high schools with the hats, and now it's just so anticlimactic. Yeah, there's so much drama back then. Uh, so Danny, uh, how would you rate this 2021 class for the Huskers? I would rate it as a very good class, but. I've been very impressed with the 2020 and 2021 classes, and I want to see the results on the field. I mean, I always feel like I rate these classes high, um, and but I want to see what they do on the field before I get my hopes up. Um, I love the tight ends, Fidone, Rollins, Carney. I think Nebraska finally has some big-time weapons at the tight end position, and I'll be honest with Nebraska's struggles to throw the football down the field over the past couple of seasons, those three could be security blankets moving forward.
2: Danny, you're letting me down here because uh, I didn't want to say his name because I don't know how to pronounce it here. I was hoping you'd bring up the four-star uh Wendin- backer from Hawaii that we signed today.
3: Uh, Wendon Hoal. who wants to give that a try? I was hoping you guys would bring this up because I don't know how to- <laughs> How to pronounce his name either? O'ahuli? Oh, is yeah. that how it is?
1: You 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 know what's funny is I I left him off by super six for that. you don't reason. want
2: it. I know. <laughs> right, Danny, you got to know something. Tyler and Derek are the biggest name butchers you'll ever meet in your life, and I knew that they wouldn't be able to oh, say that. D- Justin's
1: just as bad. Don't let him. Don't let him convince you otherwise. Because I'm messing <laughs>
2: up this Hawaiian kid's name. Come on. But anyway, no, he's he is a stellar recruit. I mean, he is a big get. I mean only get today but he is he is up there he is a solid guy uh you know that was great news out of lincoln but you know what kind of stole the show was uh avani dickerson he went with oregon it's not a big surprise because i don't think anyone ever thought he would come here but do you have any thoughts on avani dickerson signing with oregon
3: um I'll be honest when he initially committed to Minnesota, that's when I knew Nebraska was officially out of the Avana Dickerson sweepstakes. You probably saw my tweets. I wanted him to come here badly, but if you're committing to Minnesota and not Nebraska and you're in Nebraska's backyard, essentially, then, you know, you obviously don't want to play for Nebraska. And I get it because a lot of kids want to, you know, some of the bigger name schools and the fancy locker rooms. I think, um, Oregon has a huge connection with Nike, so I don't know, but um, I feel like he he said today that he really likes the Pac-12, and uh, his mother said he felt comfortable and she supported his decision. I certainly wish him the best. Um, I'll be interested to see what the ducks do because they do have a top five recruiting class for 2021, but it always seems like they put together strong recruiting classes and then they're never really able to parlay that into any sort of sustained success. Yeah. Uh, I got to bring the cousins in on this.
2: Oh, go ahead, Derek. All
1: right. Well, I'll I'll go, I'll go ahead and start on the, the Avani Dickerson thing. Like I, I think it's possible that his size is a factor I, he's not a very tall kid, and, it, and that doesn't seem to be what Nebraska's going after as far as defensive backs. We're going after more like six-two, six-six-one, six-two guys. I think he's five ten. I think is what I saw. Uh, I I think he his style of play fits better in the in the Pac-12 than in the Big Ten. Uh, I I think it's a better place for him. I, I really do. I, I I'm with you. I hope he. I really hope the best for the kid. Uh, I, I just don't know if that even Nebraska or anywhere in the Big Ten was ever going to be a great fit for him.
0: Yeah, that's Tyler, are your I, thoughts. I, I think it's different. I mean, I think this kid's going to play. Um, I yeah, I mean, you know his height. I you know five ten. I I I I don't know. I thought he was closer to six foot, but he's a he's he's a light guy. He's going to have to put on weight and muscle to really be able to compete at Oregon, wherever he's at. But this guy has the athleticism to be an NFL prospect someday. And that when you lose a guy like that out of your backyard, like that's a big loss. Like Nebraska, like we, we got to win at home. Like, I mean, it's, if you, you got to get the big names recruiting in your backyard, um, that just has to become automatic. And, you know, I think Frost has done a really good job with recruiting. I think he, you know, you can't say Frost has exceeded expectations in much in his time in Lincoln, but with recruiting, I, I would say that he has exceeded expectations. But that that this is the second year in a row we've lost out on a really, really big at-home talent, and that sucks, and it hurts.
2: So the people, they'll try to spin it and say, we got five of the top seven best athletes out of Nebraska. But you can look at it as like, we missed two out of the top three. Danny, is there something to that?
3: I mean, I think I'm one of the people that would say we got five out of the top best seven athletes in Nebraska. But I do think there is also something to the fact that we missed out on you know, Dickerson. And it just shows that we're still not where we want to be as a program. You know, I think. People always make a big deal, and not not you guys necessarily, but I'll just say the Facebook coaches always make a big deal of, yeah. oh, yeah, we're a blue blood, they should come here, blah, 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 you know, but kids want to win, and kids want to win right now. And unfortunately, Nebraska does not have that track record, and they do not necessarily have the flash that some of the other programs have, so I could certainly understand why some kids would want to go away from home.
2: All right. Before we move on to our uh, Super Six recruits, Derek, how would you rate this recruiting class? Uh,
1: about number twenty, probably. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a good class. I, I would call it an under the radar class. Like I think we got some really good recruits. There's it's it's not flashy. Yeah. Tyler, you agree?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good assessment, Derek. Like I mean, th- this is probably the least exciting class that Frost has brought on. Um, You know, we're going to get into the Super Six, who we really like. Um, We brought in a really good quarterback um, in this class, a guy that's probably under the radar, kind of the point with uh, uh, Henrik Harburg. But, like, he isn't Logan Smothers. He isn't Luke McCaffrey. He isn't Adrian Martinez. Like, he might be better than all of them when it's all said and done, but, like, he played at Kearney Catholic. I played against Carney Catholic. Like that doesn't pop in my life, and you know it. <laughs> like and you know you talk about this. You know we did really well with the offensive line. Husker fans, we should love bringing in strong offensive linemen. But there's also an element that is not Omar Manning. Like it's yeah. not like it's boring. Yeah. And it, 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 and you know what? That's okay. Um. What I will say about this class that I like is I feel like it was a very good identity class like you can see frost he went after big body wide receivers he went after a big offensive lineman for you know kind of keep that trend going uh i I really he went from some speed at linebacker like i i feel like you could be like i see the vision that he's trying to build in this class like it was a good class it's it's 20th in the country it's fifth in the big 10 like it, it's going to do the job, but th- you're missing in the flash.
1: Right.
2: Very well said. All right, Danny, what is your Super 6? Who's in your Super 6 for this class?
3: Ooh. Um, Fidone. um, It's hard for me to not put all the tight ends in there because that's just such a huge need. But um, Fidone, uh Uh, Let's see. Uh, Harburg, only if... And see, if I can just kind of veer off a little bit here. These quarterbacks are good quarterbacks like Harburg, but I need to see the development of the quarterbacks because I feel like Martinez and, uh, to some extent, Luke McCaffrey, they did not develop as well as they should have, and obviously McCaffrey's gone now, but, you know... Nebraska is going to need to do a better job at developing quarterbacks moving forward. So I have Fidone, uh, Smothers, um, the Hawaii linebacker whose name I can't say, but I really like. <laughs> Wendon Ho'ahuli? That is correct. Ho'ahuli?
2: Yeah.
3: Um, Wendon. We'll just call him Wendon. Wendon, yeah. I really like uh, Kamonte <laughs> Grimes. I think he's the type of athlete. That can get into space.
2: Yeah,
3: I I really like um what's the Georgia receiver name? Sean Hardy. Solid. And I also really like um Branson Yeager. I think he's six foot seven. He's got size. He's been hit with the injury bug a little bit. He's working his way back from injuries, but you know six foot seven that's going to be a monster on the line. If he can develop into, you know, even a solid lineman, Nebraska is definitely going to have something there.
2: All right, Derek, your turn. Who's your super
3: six?
1: All right, well, number one has got to be Thomas Fedoni. Like, yeah. I, he's just got to be. I, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with it. Hell, no, nobody in the media has disagreed with it. Uh, number two, I got Randolph Kapai. I, I, this guy, I, I think he's going to be an exciting linebacker. Uh, number three, I got Henry, Henry Lotovsky. This kid's 6'6", 330 pounds coming out of high school. And that's not even why everybody's excited about him. They're excited about his athleticism. Like, you don't think athleticism when you're thinking 330-pound guys. But that's what they think of this guy. So so I, I, I put him in there. Uh, Gabe Irvin, I put in there just because uh, the, the lack of running backs right now and I think he's got a huge spot open for him. Uh, he's got a good chance to compete. He's here early. Uh, it's just, I, I, eventually one of these running backs got to start hitting. So I, so I'm going with Gabe Irvin there. Uh, Kobe Brett's, I, I think he's uh, another good get. I, I like him there in the defensive backfield. And uh, J, James Carney. I, I, again, I went with tight end too because, I. I love the three tight ends we brought in this class. I just didn't want to put all three of them in my Super 6. But I had to put at least two of them because that James Carney, the only reason I think he's not a higher-ranked kid is because he lacked speed earlier in his recruiting, recruiting process. But he's gained a lot of speed in this last year from everything I've read. And I'm not saying he's going to be a Thomas Fedoni type, but he's definitely going to be on the field a lot, I think.
2: Chatter, you're super six.
0: Yeah. So Thomas Fidone leading with him. Um, you know, I think that he has all the makings of being the tight end of the future. Um, I'm going to go with Teddy Petrowski, um, offensive tackle from Nebraska. Um, you know, one of the top three recruits from in-state. We brought him in. I think this is a guy that's going to add But Trill, um, you. I talked about the big body wide receivers. This is, this is the pinnacle of them. This guy is big. He's physical. If you watch the highlights, he's strong. Um, looks good. Gabe Irvin. Um, Derek kind of hit on that. Running backs are obviously a spot that we need to develop, and we just need more uh, bolts in that chamber to hit. Marcus Buford, uh, the number one prep player. Second year in a row, we brought that in. And my last one is uh, one that Danny brought up is Branson Yeager. And I actually have a funny story about him. So um, I was in an Uber in Denver when I lived out there. Um, and we, I was talking to my Uber driver and he mentioned to me that his um, his, his daughter was dating this Division one athlete. This kid that was going to play Division one football. And I was like, oh, what's his name? Thinking it would be a local kid. And it was Branson Yeager. Really? And she's like, "Yeah, we they, we lived out in the Utah, and we moved out here, and they've been doing long distance, and he's coming a little bit closer." And I'm like, "He didn't know I was a Nebraska guy, and we had just picked him up, and I was sitting there like, not gonna geek out, not gonna <laughs> geek out, and ask for podcast connections, but,
2: uh, <laughs> uh, but no, so but you know, we could have had him as a guest, and you may, failed. May, may, Wait, maybe way, I way could pull
0: some strings, but." No but but your, you he's he's six, he's six seven, um three thirty two out of high school like again, he's another guy that's gonna be able to come in that big body the identity that I talked about that I think frost is is bringing in um i i, I like i like that that's kind of how I round out my super six,
2: Danny, is there a freshman that you think will burn or can burn a red red shirt this year
3: Thomas Fedone I really do. I think he brings, you know, anything you could ever want to the tight end position for Nebraska. They haven't gotten consistent production. And with the way at the tail end of the season, uh, where Nebraska really started to feature the tight ends a little bit more in the offense, I think it gave them a chance to see what they could do at the position and how to utilize it more effectively. So I think Thomas Fadon will definitely, uh, see the field, I would go as far as to say within the first three games of the season, maybe even day one. Who knows? I mean, he just brings so many intangibles, and I hate to use that word because I sound like a sports nerd, but he just brings so many intangibles to the position, and it's something that Nebraska has been looking for for a long time.
2: Derek, who do you have?
3: Oh. I, I just, I, I want to...
1: Talk about Thomas Fedoni there. I I don't want to say you're wrong there, but here's my fear with 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 with, with uh, Fedone, Fedoni. I heard it pronounced both ways. I'm not really sure which way is the right way, but uh, my fear is he's going to come in and be expected too much of right off the bat. And if he doesn't succeed right away, people are going to give up on him too fast because that's what Nebraska fans do. So yeah. I, I have a I have a little bit of fear of too much hype on this kid. Uh, I I, I hope I hope he, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he comes in and he's just a a beast out there. But uh, if, if back to your question, Justin, I, the the guy I'm gonna go with is Gabe Irvin. Like this is a wide open running back room. He's got size. He's like six six or I'm sorry, he's like six foot two twenty. Uh, he's he's a little more uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here Dang I can't Barnes say Dedrick Mills. Oh, did- well, okay. Mills He's a little more Dedrick Mills size But he's got a little more athleticism With him than what Dedrick Mills had So I, I'm, I'm going to go With uh, Gabe Irvin I think that he's going to come in And make a name for
0: himself right away
1: Tyler do you have a guy
0: I'm going to go with Thomas Fedone. I mean I think you know, Austin Allen impressed me last year. I think Austin Allen will be very tough to beat out for that number one spot. Vokalek is an interesting guy. It, you know, I think where it gets really enticing if Vokalek could beat out uh, Fedone for that number two tight end spot on a consistent basis, what do you do with him? I mean, how many snaps are you willing to play him a game to burn his red shirt? Um you know, because when you start looking at that third tight end option, it, it does get a little bit dicey there when you talk about burning a red shirt. But I, I think he is talented enough. He's athletic enough. I mean, this guy is really a wide receiver and a tight end body. Um Volkaleck definitely can catch the ball, but I don't think we have a tight end like him on this roster. I don't think we have a guy that is that athletic and can spread the field from that position. Um so so I I think he's gonna get there. And honestly, after that, I'm having trouble finding another guy. Um Derek, you know, Irvin, I you know, I'm obviously high on him. I think there's a shot for him. Uh you know, Neville, another guy that was in my super six, you know, he is a guy that I think has a shot. But if if he's gonna get playing time, it's really banking on guys like uh Omar Manning or uh Tori, just absolutely whipping. Like, they, they, they are not Division One players if he's going to make that field. And no disrespect, but I just, I, I don't, I mean, I don't see if Omar, Manny, and Tori are what we expect them to be. I don't think Neville's going to beat them out this year. Um, offensive line is tough to really see those guys contributing. Line And defense with everyone coming back, like, some of these guys, it's just hard for them to find spots on the field next year which might be one of the reasons why Yvonne Dickerson didn't come to Nebraska is he knew he'd have to sit for a year. Um, so, so I think this is going to be a really unique year where this last year we saw guys like, you could argue their playing time. Was not what you want? We you saw a long tape around. You saw Xavier Betts. Uh, you saw Marcus Fleming while he was in Lincoln. Uh, you know, you, you, you saw these guys get playing time. Um, you saw Turner Corcoran start a game. I mean, I just don't think you're going to see the true freshman come in and really see the field near as much as you have in the past.
2: I would be shocked that if, uh, there wasn't a single player that burned a red shirt out of this incoming freshman class, I would not be shocked. I think the best shot would be Thomas Fidoni to burn it, but I would not be shocked that he doesn't. I mean, Austin Allen is going to be the go-to guy, but we're, you know, we're kind of loaded there with, uh, you know, vocal luck. uh, Dahl, and then Chris Hickman, wherever he fits in that area, whether it's wide receiver or tight end, it's kind of it's we're kind of packed there. Go ahead, Derek.
1: I I just want to say I to me I think that would be a little bit of a sigh of relief. Like it would be nice if we didn't have to rely on an incoming freshman to be on the field all the time. Yeah, like, that would yeah. that would be the first time under Scott Frost we haven't had to do that. So I, I would call that almost a sigh of
0: relief. If everybody did get a chance to red shirt. Yeah. Danny, what do you think about that? Cause that, like, I, I don't disagree with what Derek is saying fundamentally, but like, you, you know, I think a lot of media wants a point at wins and losses, why we lose players. um, And that's fair. But like a guy like Keyshawn green transferred before the season even started and maybe being homesick is why he left. There was speculation. Um, that playing time might have played into that. Um, you saw Marcus Fleming. I, I don't. I mean, I don't know how much in these kids' equation tr- the wins and losses are, but or versus snap count. But if we go this year and we're not playing any of these freshmen, are we going to be sitting here bringing you on the podcast in February 2022 talking about oh another year of transfers? Like, is that where we're heading if these kids
3: don't play? I'm going to say yes for a couple reasons. Number one, with the transfer portal and social media and all these different outlets for players to kind of make their own choices, players have control over where they go now more than ever. I do think that Nebraska would be wise to maybe put a couple of freshmen on the field just to get them, you know, some experience and some snap counts, because I'm not going to say, like, just to keep them happy, but I would like to see, you know, freshmen be more involved. Obviously, we saw Betts last year and what he did in the Penn State game with the reverse and the speed that he had, and we saw a little bit of Brown and Fleming, like you said, but, you know, it's tough because... You want the best players on the field, for one. You want experienced players who know what they're doing, for two. But you also have to deal with the instant gratification that the players now want. So in that respect, I hope you know freshmen see the field a little bit more, because I do think there have been a ton of transfers out of the program in the past couple of years, and that has certainly contributed to it. I,
0: I just hope I, I I just want to say I hope Frost is talking to these kids and and you know we we've talked about some things with Frost and and I really hope he is I, shooting them straight and I don't even know if that matters like I'm sure these kids they they're like I'm willing to compete for a spot I know nothing's handed to me like but but in the back of their heads they're like yeah my shit don't stink over here I'm gonna be a bet one of the best linebackers you have or one of the best defensive ends you have. And I just, I hope that he's getting through because it would be great, like to bring in a top 20 class to, and get these guys to stick and give them a couple of years in the system. Like that could do wonders for the Mm long-term longevity of this program.
1: I, I think that's part of the culture right now. Like you have these young kids that are coming in and thinking they could start right away. And that's why you have 1400 transfers right now. Like there's 1,400 kids in the transfer portal. Like, there's a reason for that. And I think a lot of it is these kids haven't been knocked down yet. And they are all they all think they come to college, they can start right away. And then when they don't get a start right away, they're going, eh, I'm going to go somewhere else where I can start.
0: Yeah, but, but like, you say that, but, like, and it, it is what it is, but I just was reading tonight that, like, Penn State's looking to bring in another quarterback, and one of the top two names on their list is Luke McCaffrey. Like, how pissed are you if Luke McCaffrey – because he's not starting at Penn State day one.
1: Well, hey, I, I'm all for it because our defensive backs will have, like, 16 interceptions against
2: Like <laughs> <laughs> Look, the NCAA, they do a lot of things wrong. They A lot of things. Not like Kevin Warren wrong, but they do a lot of things wrong. One of the things that they do – one of their best rules is allowing freshmen to play four games without having to burn a red shirt. So I think this is a year where we have several guys in there that can play up to four games, but they don't have to play any more than that. It's it's perfect. Get them some real game experience when you can get them in, and it doesn't do anything with eligibility.
1: The, so the, pro- the problem with that is, is you have to have four games that you can play them in. Well, I, that, that's fine. I mean, if you don't have four, you're not going to have five, right? No, I understand. I understand. it. But what I'm saying is right now, Nebraska – over the last I would say eight or nine years has not had a lot of games where we could play
0: backups let's see Derek where I disagree with you on this and I'd be curious for Danny to chime in is like you're right on how we use backups because today what happens is when a starter gets injured our rotation changes we eliminate a guy coming in like we, we have less wide receivers hit the field We eliminate we go from a three linebacker rotation to a two or we move an outside backer in. We change it. What I would propose is when that happens, injuries are gonna happen. And maybe not season ending, but like, hey, you know what? You lost a backer, put that true freshman in for a couple series. Like like it's just for a game. It's just for a game until the starter's back or a couple games. But like, you know, Gabe Irvin. Hey, hey, maybe, you know. That, that's, fine. That, that's, fine up, a, that's
1: fine in a scenario Like that, sure But, but kids that, are going to get c- injured That scenario doesn't always happen Sure, kids are going to get injured there, There's no de- de- denying that But at the end of the day It doesn't, I mean I can't put in uh, Randolph Kapai Because Our running back got hurt
0: No, but if an outside backer gets hurt And it's Close. Put the guy in for a couple snaps. That's what I'm saying.
1: Sure. I, again, if, if you're talking about a game, sure. But but I'm talking about just being a just having a game that's comfortable where you can just really go, yeah. Let's throw this guy in. Let's get him some experience. And Nebraska hasn't a lot of those. And if they have, it's usually on the losing side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to
2: we got to flip that script. Hey, Dandy. Should Nebraska pursue a transfer quarterback?
3: See, they have enough trouble developing quarterbacks on their own. And (laughs) I think they should honestly... I would like a transfer quarterback, but I feel like they need to develop the quarterback position better with what they have in Lincoln. I mean, at the end of the day, I think by this point, what we see is what we're going to get. But I'd rather stay with who's on the roster and then see if we can work from there. Now, as you probably can tell, I'm not too happy with the job that some coaches have done in developing the quarterbacks, but I'd stick you and with me what's both. Up. What's up? You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same side there. Yep. I mean, when you look at Adrian Martinez from his freshman year to now, it's just, frustrating to see sometimes uh, like sometimes um like last year and even the year before last year he couldn't decide whether he wanted to run or throw or you know he just looked lost and I think that all ties back to development and coaching and not to go off on a tangent here but I'll just say that I was very surprised when Frost announced that he would bring back all 10 of his assistants
2: yeah, I was too. I think we all were too, to some extent, but you know, Derek had a good point on that. He thought uh, it, it was the right decision.
1: I, 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 well, as a fan, I probably would have gotten rid of some coaches. Like As a fan, I, I think there's a point where firing coaches has not served us well. Like We've fired coaches year in and year out. And it hasn't really improved anything. As a matter of fact, you could mark the fact that it has made our team worse every time we fire coaches. It seems like. And, and, and here's here's my thing about if, if Scott Frost fires coaches this year, I think at that point you're just giving them more excuses. And I and I'm a Scott Frost homer. I am, but we got to quit giving the guy excuses. If you if you if you fire more coaches and bring another coach, and that position sucks, well then you're going well. Yeah, but it's this coach's first year here, so you gotta give him a little more time. Like at some at some point, you just gotta quit firing people and just make them do their damn job.
2: Well, let's talk about the offense here because that's kind of a good segue. I want to talk about Matt Lubick. He made the news this week. Uh, He interviewed for the Montana State job. He did not take the job. He's going to return uh, as offensive coordinator. Uh, What does that mean to the offense,
3: Danny? I will say that Frost said, I believe it was two Fridays ago, that Lubick called more plays in the second half of the year, and I noticed the offense a little bit more wide open and a little bit more fast-paced, not like Oregon, but similar in terms of tempo and getting the ball out quick. So I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, I think that Lubick will, you know, help this offense – continue to grow um, but again it all comes back to the type of players we have on that side of the football and the quarterbacks and things like that I was encouraged by what I saw at the end of the year so I do have hope for um, 2021 that they can really kind of take the style that Lubick implemented and just run with it good
1: I, I feel this is a huge huge deal for Nebraska And the fact that Scott Frost does trust Lubick, he will allow him to call plays. And that that frees Scott Frost up to work with the quarterbacks, as he said he's going to. Mm -hmm. And and so hopefully that helps with the quarterbacks because Scott Frost is a proven quarterbacks coach. He did it at Oregon. He turned some really good quarterbacks there at UCF. So maybe if he was working with the quarterbacks here at Nebraska, maybe that helps a lot there. I think it also frees him up to maybe work with special teams a little bit. And the last time a head coach got involved with special teams was Bo Pellini and he really turned special teams around. So I'm not saying Scott Frost can duplicate that, but at least there's an opportunity to do it. And where, where If you're worried about calling plays all the time, I, it makes it a little tougher. I, I think it's free Scott Frost up to do a lot of other things. I think, I think this is really big for Nebraska. If he had <laughs> taken that job, and we're going on our third offensive coordinator in three years, yep. You're you're looking at a mess.
2: I think it would have screamed volumes if he had taken that job at Montana State, basically because I think that's a demotion for a power five coordinator to go to take a head coaching job in FCS. I think that's a demotion. The guy from Montana State, the head coach, he left Montana State to take the co-defensive coordinator position at Texas. Head coaches, they they move on to become coordinators in the power five power five coordinators do not take head uh, head coaching jobs in FCS unless they get fired and they have no other choice, but it's, that's a demotion to me. Uh, Tyler, here's a conspiracy theory for you. Do you think that he took the interview just like as a bargaining chip to uh, have the power to call all the plays next year?
0: No, I don't. Um I think <laughs> Frost has already made it clear that he's willing to give the guy a shot, which I, it speaks volumes about their relationship. Um I didn't think Frost would turn over play of Duty. I I mean, I don't I, and I don't really even know what that relationship will look like and I, I don't know if we will, but I I I know what you're saying, Justin, and I don't know if you're wrong. I'm not saying I completely disagree with you, but I think that you looking at an FCS coach going to a power five program as a coordinator, like does, coordinator. does doesn't mean that like Lubick, if he would have taken the Montana state job is this huge indictment on the program. Like there's indictments to be found on the program. Sure. I, I don't know if you, that that's a big leap to me to, to be able to make that conclusion. Um people leave for lots of reasons, and maybe Montana, man, I hear is beautiful. Like well, maybe it, he wants to
1: just be, it's not just Montana. His dad coached there for, for over a decade. Yeah, I he mean, grew up there. Like it, it, to me, it would not I, have been shocking if he had taken that job. And yeah, it's I mean, a head coaching, it's a it's a head coaching job. Like you at least get a chance to prove yourself as a head coach. You're not gonna prove
0: yourself as a head coach as an offensive coordinator. And, and and you're not having people like Justin, like saying, "Well, time to fire all the coaches every single year." Let let us real talk, Justin. If you had it U.A., way, Lubick would have been
1: fired. Oh, by- absolutely. He wanted Lubick fired. I think mid-season.
2: I just didn't see any value in them. I mean, the, the wide receiving group—they didn't get any better. It's one season
1: in, 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 in an awkward year where he didn't get a spring with them. They came in as a new coach. It's it's different not to get a spring with them. It's it's a whole other story when you're a, a new coach and you don't get a spring. Okay, with. but D- first Danny, of all, I never
2: said it, that to fire Matt Lubick. That, I you did never too. said that. That
1: is a bold ass lie. You may not have said it on the you may not have said it on the podcast, but you have said that you wanted Lubick fired. And I will call that all day long. I want you to present evidence.
0: Danny, I, you're Danny, right, Danny, I can't because it was on a phone hey, call. Tyler, back me up here. Oh, he he did 100%. Danny, educate Justin here. <laughs> Why should Lubick have not? Like this is good. Lubick is a good coach, right?
3: Yeah, I I think he is because he runs. He's he's familiar with the high tempo offense. He's worked with Frost, and it's only his first season. Like you talk about a weird season. We had a season in the middle of a pandemic. We had what eight games, I believe it was, and we had. Not a ragtag group of receivers, but they weren't exactly, you know, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and Terrell Owens, all the There wasn't, there wasn't in the same a lot field. of
1: experience there.
3: Yeah. So to fire him after one season, I mean, that would have honestly been ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I, I have never said that in anything. I have talked smack about firing a lot of coaches. Matt Lubick was never one of them.
3: I want to see the evidence that these two are talking about, though. I this want to see is, the I mean, this is this, this is. This, this, this is the, this this is what Justin. I probably could find text messages. This was. I, I want you to do that
2: because I've only talked about three coaches max on the offensive side of the ball to get rid of, and there's only and three.
1: It, and it was Greg Austin. One. And it was Mario Verduzco. Two. And Matt Lubick. No,
2: it was not it was Ryan Held.
1: You said no. Lubick, Just I've fullest. never said Lubick. You said Lubick. Yes, you did. My God. We we need to move on. Why
2: do you want to get rid of
3: Held? He's a great recruiter.
2: Hell, yeah, but he's, he hasn't done anything for that running back room. We've brought in a lot of guys, and they're well, just not panning out.
3: When we pass the ball 75 times a game, I don't expect the running backs to do anything. That was one of my biggest problems with Frost last year. He, he barely used the running backs, and he always and he always looked to pass the ball, and he ran with the quarterbacks. Adrian Martinez had the most rushing yards on the team. I, 621 or 521 something like that so we never ran with the running backs and that was one of my biggest gripes
0: well let's go there I want to go down that is it the chicken or the egg right there is it is it Frost doesn't give the running backs a shot was why they're not productive or are they not getting a shot because they're not productive
3: they're not getting a shot because Frost is not giving them a shot Frost views Martinez or McCaffrey last year or whoever's in there he views the quarterback as a very big extension of the running game, I I would be willing to bet that he would rather run with the quarterbacks than run with the running backs. And even when he gave the running backs carries, it was sporadically throughout the course of the games. It wasn't where they could get into a rhythm. That's why you know I made such a big deal about Diedrich Mills rushing for what was it 100 100 something yards against Rutgers. I think it was 191. If my memory served me right, but I was like, wow, we're actually using Dietrich Mills. Imagine if we did that the entirety of the season. So what do you think the offense struggled last year? Um, I just think it was a combination of you know, we didn't use the running backs like I said, so it automatically put more pressure on the quarterbacks. And then you had the problems with the quarterbacks where some games they would fire missiles and hit all of the receivers and other games they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn and it was just very inconsistent some games martinez would look great you know some games or i should say two games really but sort of moved the ball it was a combination of just the offense being so if something succeeded one week something else would fail and then vice versa it was a very disjointed offense and it was Frustrating to watch because I saw the potential with this with this offensive unit, but it just never fully came together over the course of a game with any measure of consistency.
1: I I so, would say, I I would add the fact that this offense has had no ability to overcome any adversity. Mm-hmm. Like if if you get a penalty, it's done. You just well I don't care if it's first and twenty. You just well punt the damn ball. Yep. Yeah. Because you're not going to overcome it. It doesn't matter if it's second and six. It doesn't matter if it's third and five. If you if you get a penalty at any point in that offense, you're done.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny, so headed into next year, where do you see the strengths on offense?
3: Well, I hate to sound like a broken record, but tight end. And if we can get the ball down the field, and that's a huge if, Wide receiver. I think the running backs will certainly not be a bad unit, but the addition of Marquise Step is huge. I think just in terms of experience for the running back room, and I think tight ends and wide receivers will be what makes this offense. I you know, Torrey is a big downfield threat, and um, the play of Austin Allen, like you guys mentioned last year, hopefully. He can continue to build off of that, and again, I hate to keep sounding like a broken record. It all goes back to what the quarterbacks do and what the play calling is for next season. Can,
1: can, can I add to that? Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna talk. I, I'm gonna say that the uh, strikes of this offense, and this is gonna go completely against what you're saying, is gonna be quarterbacks. Like you talk about Adrian Martinez, Maybe quarterback. Okay, quarterback. <laughs> But you talk about Adrian Martinez but he did throw 71% of his passes he did he did lead the team in rushing he did he did a lot of really good things but we all want to we all want to focus on the negativity part of it but
3: uh, i feel i feel like that only came after he got benched from McCaffrey. i feel like that kind of flipped flipped the switch on in his head we,
1: we, we also only played the two best defenses in the Big 10 yeah. Leading up to that point.
3: Yeah, true. But, I mean, I don't know. I've I've sang Martinez's praises, and every year I come out looking stupider by the minute. So I'm going to hold off for now. I, I, I think that, and then you talk about Marquis Step,
1: and we don't even know if that guy's going to be able to play because the NCAA has not technically passed the one-time uh, transfer rule. And so he's going to have to get a waiver, and we don't know if he's going to get that waiver yet. So,
3: to to rely on him is going to be scary right now. I think they're going to need to if he can play, because I'm not... And this is not an indictment on the other running backs, but I just haven't seen enough of Scott or Morrison to really have a lot of confidence in them right well, they now.
2: Don't, they don't stick with the same quarterback or running back. They
1: yeah. uh... and I And I understand that, but again, if that guy's not eligible to play,
0: it really doesn't yeah. matter whether, I mean... He, he's Derek, have you bring to that eligible. up. Derek, you bring that up if he's not eligible to play. And and obviously, that is a risk. But with the way that transfers have been allowed to get waivers. Really? Like, have
1: you figured out how the NCAA's figured this out?
0: No, I but. Haven't. but They, they let that. one guy play, and then the next guy, they're going, nope. Yeah, but I don't think it's that. I don't think it's like a 50 50 split. Like, I feel like the. the I can't think of. The last guy that wanted a waiver that didn't get one
1: well how about Noah Vedrill who did get a waiver but it was three weeks into
0: the season it and Oliver Martin appeared to get one later but like again is he going to be available week one I don't know there, there's a lot of up in the air but I think when you look that, into the next
1: that's the biggest problem with the NCAA is there's no clear cut sign of what they're going to do
0: I I think they're I I, I think that you're I I I, I'm not as worried about that as you. I think, but I'm with you. I, man, I, I might die on this horse, but I, I am not writing off Adrian Martinez. I, I think that he has. I mean, he, he can. He has shown the ability to complete passes. I think that, like the downfield inability to throw, like. It, it, it's more of an opportunity, I think, than an execution. Than in because I've seen him throw downfield. I saw him in his freshman campaign throw downfield. I I didn't see him last year overshooting every time he threw downfield. Like that wasn't what I saw from him. Like he you just seen didn't the, try. You see it in the Rutgers game
1: when he threw down the field to uh, Wondell Robinson. It was a dime. Yeah. He could do it. It was a damn dime.
0: There was
1: another another game where he threw a dime downfield to Austin Allen, where it was an easy touchdown. If Austin Allen don't trip over his
0: own damn two feet. I I just, I, I think we're, I, I think our offense last year, the demise of the Scott Frost offense has been overstated. I think that there was a lot of mistakes, but we ran the ball effectively throughout the year. And we can say we've
1: we've been a top three big 10 team running the ball since Scott Frost has been. here. And
0: and I think, I think that that I don't care. I mean, would it be nice to get more running backs involved? Sure. But I think our wider room wide receiver room is good. Danny, you alluded to that. I think our tight end room is really good next year. I think we've got weapons and we're bringing back a really good defense. And, you know what? I, I don't need the UCF Scott Frost offense. I don't need that offense to win oh. games in 2021. And We're I not going to have it. We don't have that personnel, but we don't need it.
1: I think the Big Ten's proven that the UCF Scott Frost offense is not going to work. I, I think they've proven that. And I, I think Scott Frost understands that. And I think that's why you're seeing the bigger wide receivers come in. You're seeing the more tight ends come in. You're, you're starting to see some of the bigger running back come in. A guy like Gabe Irvin, a guy like Marquise Stepp, he's starting, to, he, he, he's starting to lean more towards power than the speed.
2: I want to, I want to move on to defense. Danny, what, what were your thoughts on the uh, defensive improvement
3: in 2020? I really liked what I saw. I was particularly impressed with the run defense. Uh, there was one game in particular where I thought they did really well until Iowa did their thing. Uh, they, did, they did a nice job of stopping the run in the second half of the season and it gradually improved until the end. Um, one of my biggest gripes prior to the second half of the season was that um, there was no second level to the defense. It was the defensive line and occasionally the linebackers and that was it, the linebackers, couldn't come over to fill the holes quick enough, and running backs would be able to run free. In terms of what I saw in the Iowa game, and even you know during the Rutgers game to some extent, I thought they did a much better job of 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 um, stopping the run and also tackling and not allowing extra yards for the running backs and To kind of add to that, I also thought they did a much better job of tackling in general. I thought, um, especially during the Ohio State game to open the season, they had a lot more energy than I saw in 2019. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were popping pads. They looked like they wanted to play. Uh, There were times in 2019 when they did not look like they even wanted to be on the field. So I enjoyed the energy and the run defense. Uh, last year, and I do still think they need to make improvements, but that was certainly encouraging to see, especially since I was on the fire shenander train for quite a while.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people were. Uh, But, you know, talking about, yeah, they still need to improve, but dang, what they did last year, they kept Nebraska into a lot of games last Mm -hmm. year. Uh, They did. The offense just couldn't pull through. Uh, Now that you know, all of these uh, guys are coming back, you know, for an extra senior year. Uh, We only lose, you know, DiCaprio Boodle and Colin Miller. And uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. Everybody Uh, else comes back. So do you have any areas of concern on the defense headed into 2021?
3: The only major area that I saw last year that hopefully they can correct this year was, um, Sometimes the linebackers weren't fast enough on slant plays or short passes to come over and make the tackle, and that left a sizable hole in the middle of the field. If they can just clean that up a little bit, then I think this defense should be able to be very good. I still think it's going to be very good, but I just noticed that kind of little soft spot in the defense um, where if we had more athletic linebackers, which are coming in these future classes, we would have been able to stop. I feel very good about this defense heading into 2021. Derek, thoughts? Uh, You're
1: absolutely right. Uh, Man, I tell you, returning nine out of 11 starters is huge for a defense. Any defense. I I don't care who your defense is. And and then to lose probably your weakest secondary guy. And I don't don't want to say anything about Colin Miller because I don't Mm -hmm. want to be the asshole. Uh, but but to lose those two out of all this this defense, like that's not the worst two to lose.
0: Tyler, I mean I I you guys you I've already kind of played my hand here. I think this defense is going to be the best since early Bo. Um, I, is it going to be world class? I don't know if we got first second round picks on this defense, so I think that's going to kind of limit the absolute upside of it. But I think you're going to look at a very sound defense next year. I don't think you're going to see a lot of weak players. Uh, and, and with all these guys coming back, that tells me they want to play. Mm-hmm. And I think that you give me a lot of hungry guys that are pretty talented. I, again, I think that we're going to shock some people it, as long as they're put in a position to succeed. Like what isn't a position to succeed is – when you you're you're putting them out after a quick three and out, or you know some of the you have get bad field position and, and you put them in bad spots, but it, if you 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 allow, allow the accuracy of Martinez to keep some drives going, maybe you're not getting explosive, but you're playing field position, you get something out of that running back room, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know you score twenty eight points and you try to keep teams under twenty one. I mean, I think you're going to win some games.
1: Well, I just want to add that I think this is where Scott Frost adjusting his coaching style uh, comes into play. Like right now, your strength of this team is this defense. And so you're going to have to rely on this defense. So maybe we need to start playing a little more of the uh, clock control, maybe maybe holding on to the ball a little longer, running the ball a little more, (laughs) Is going to come into play, and and that and that that could be the demise or the rise of Scott Frost at this point. Can he learn from his mistakes and understand that he does have a good defense here? Because if if what he's going to do is continue to do what he did the last three years and go three and out in a matter of a minute and a half, and put your it put your defense into such terrible positions. You're going to continue to lose games. Danny, I want to
2: put you on the spot here. If you had to project a record for Nebraska next year, what would that record be? Ooh,
3: that's tough. What are we talking, 10 games, 12 games? 12 games, 12-game 12 regular season. <sighs> that is tough. I'm going to say 5-7. and seven.
2: Really? 5-7? and
3: I think they're going to be just good enough to make things interesting, but I don't know if they'll have what it takes to make a bowl game. I mean, heading into year four of the Scott Frost era, as I learned from last year's Colorado game, nothing is guaranteed, and and the game is not over until the whistle blows, so... I've just seen too many of these games, and I might be a bit jaded, but five and seven, I think. Wow, that's not going to be popular
2: in Husker Nation. I'm
1: that's used to that, being it, so <laughs> that 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 loses Scott Frost's job if, yeah. if he goes five and seven. It loses Scott Frost's job. Yeah, I I would I would say closer to seven to five, but yeah.
2: Uh, so Danny, uh, now that. Football season is obviously over. Are, are you writing about basketball and will you be writing about uh, baseball for
3: Husker Corner? I am. Uh, well, basketball has been a little bit tricky with the pause with the COVID uh, issues, but I do like this team. It just seems like they haven't been able to get things going. Baseball, I'm not really a big baseball writer, but I do follow the team, so I will write articles occasionally. If anybody is listening to this who wants to write about volleyball, I have no idea how to write about volleyball, so please send me a message. (laughs) I know it's huge, and I know I'm missing out on a big audience there, and I know the team is really good. So if anybody writes about volleyball or wants to write about volleyball, please don't hesitate to send me a message. Well, Danny, we we have another cousin.
1: Nebraska has turned into a a, a volleyball school. It has, and I'm missing out.
2: Danny, it's, it's sad. Dan, we have a cousin, another cousin. He he used to be on the podcast, uh, Patrick, and he is all into volleyball. He's a, all into every Husker sport you can imagine. Great writer, journalism major. I mean, great. So I, we'll probably need to put you in uh, contact with him. He does okay. some great work. But, uh, uh, yeah, man, this has been fun. Hey, throw out your uh, Twitter handles.
3: You have uh, several of them that you run. I do. I have the Husker Corner, which is the website that I write for, for fan-sided, and then I also have my alter ego, the Great Cornholio. I was brainstorming it for names, and then someone says, hey, hey, you should do this, and I said, all right, so I looked it up, and I had remembered it was from the Beavis and Butthead show, and I knew <laughs> as soon as my mother didn't approve of the name that I should absolutely go with it because the internet loved it, so... So you can find me at uh, Great Cornholio, Nebraska, N-E-B. It's abbreviated because I ran out of characters, as well as the Husker Corner. So. Well, awesome.
2: Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. We're going to have to do this again. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, it's time to get out of here. Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, Go Big Red.